all of the things you use, the clothing that you wear, you guys are great on that. The food you eat, the products you put on your skin can be a way of connecting with each other and with our planet. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Emma and Mary Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer, a slow living apparel and lifestyle brand. We started this podcast as a means to further share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having constantly in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now, the farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. Come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now let's dig in. So we recorded this episode back in the beginning of the quarantine. I think we had just been at it like a few days. And so people were really just kind of waking up to the situation. That was at a point where like every day some other thing would be announced like, you know, uh, now, now no more than 10 people. And, um, and right. It was kind of like an unfolding. It was like every day was like a different reality completely. Yes. And I think that was when the, the schools were starting to close. And so, yeah, we just were just, wow, what is going on? What is happening? And, um, so I, when I heard this recording, uh, again, it was interesting to me to listen to our perspectives from even just a month ago and, and what we were thinking and, and um, the thoughts going on in our head and, and not that it's changed all that much, but it, it was really interesting. So I think as people listen to this episode, um, it might be interesting to them as well that this, this represents the initial unfolding of the current situation. And there's a lot more unfolding to come for sure. Um, but anyway, a little bit of a time capsule there. Yeah, it was really interesting. And as always, it's such a pleasure um, spending any kind of time with Lee and Zina. We just love them so much and we've loved working with them. And um, mom, AKA Lee Benyon, really does create an amazing product that we're really proud to to bring to people. So we hope that you enjoy this episode. Good morning. Good morning. We're so glad to have Lee and Zina with us from Utah. And uh, it's been it's been quite a morning already. I mean, even before we yeah. logged on here. Zina, do you want to tell your story about waking up today? <laughs> yeah, I was uh, fast asleep in my bed and I woke up to a very gentle shaking. And then I started to hear some rattling in the kitchen and realized that there was a small earthquake happening. So oh my God. yeah, it's been kind of a, a morning already and everyone's and there's been a flurry of texts and calls and checking on friends who were closer. The epicenter was about uh, an hour and 20 minutes north of me. So about two hours north of where my mom Lee is. So just to add to the, to the mix. Yeah. Is there any um, like casualties or anything? Any, you know, I mean, that seems no. like a pretty big earthquake. Okay. Yeah. It's a decent sized one. I've seen some news reports of some structural damage and uh, you know, some some things falling on a few buildings and I know that there are a lot of people in the Salt Lake Valley who are without power right now um but so far I haven't heard of any casualties wow on top of everything else yeah it just kind of adds to the already somewhat tense atmosphere of you know we're not on a lockdown here yet I still see cars around and people are still doing things the schools have been closed for 
go, they're going to be closed for the next two weeks and um, people are being encouraged to stay home, but it's kind of this mounting um, tension. I was telling a friend, it's like watching a tornado in slow motion coming towards you. (laughs) I feel generally just in general, similarly to um, like watching a tornado in slow motion or like an impending, um, I, in the first few days in the wake of this whole um, COVID-19 pandemic, it has felt a lot like the wake of a tragedy, except it's like reversed. So, um, you know, I'm old enough to remember 9-11 and what that was like. And of course, there's like always uncertainty for the future. Like, how are we, you know, what is this going to, how is the world going to look after this? But it's not the same as everyone knowing exactly what to do to like, clean up and help each other and I don't you know there's a lot of grieving and this is just such a different like it's like anticipating a it's just so strange I agree and it's like no one this is unprecedented in in our lifetimes so no one knows like we don't know what's going to happen and so like most of the the talk what if you know it's all conjecture because we don't really know. You know, the experts can say, can predict so much and tell us what we need to be doing, but we really don't know, you know, how it's going to play out, how long, and all of this. But I, I was wondering, are um, Lee and Zina, are you both kind of in rural areas so that there's less less contact normally with other people? What does that look like for you? This is Lee. And yes, I am in a fairly rural area. Our town has about a thousand people. Um, No stoplights, no fast food. It's very rural. So in some ways, it hasn't changed my personal life uh, as far as activities, things I do. I'm still going outside and taking lots of walks, riding my horse, doing my chores, because those are all things that I kind of always done in a solitary way. Um, but the stores experience is very different. Um, our stores are picked over too. Um, I've only gone twice, no, once since all of this has happened. And I'm lucky I had a fair bit of food on hand. I think we'll get by, but yeah, I think it's a little better at being in a rural situation because my daily routine is already fairly isolated and outside a lot. Yeah, I saw a meme that said it had this person was kind of saying, oh, this is when you realize that your regular daily routine is called quarantine. <laughs> and that's true for me. I'm, I'm, definitely, I'm definitely in a more uh, urban area. I'm in a town that's at the end of a valley that's basically all suburban sprawl that connects all the way up to Salt Lake City. So I'm definitely in a higher density place. But, you know, because I work from home, I tend to spend a lot of time in my home, in my yard, alone throughout most of the day anyway. So it honestly hasn't changed my regular schedule too much. And pretty early on, I started buying up, you know, just a few extra things here and there. And so it hasn't been too hard for me to just hunker down. I'm a fairly introverted person by nature. So same for me. Uh, it haven't hasn't really impacted my daily life too much, except for the fact that my husband is home now working. Um, so that's the main thing. But the couple of times I have been out to the store, um, you know, and seeing the empty shelves and stuff, it's it's very eerie. And of course, the uncertainty of not knowing how far this is going to go. But it does speak to, um, mm-hmm. yeah. I love the meme you just referred to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get too far into um, current events that are just kind of super distracting for everyone, um, I just realized we we went full steam ahead without even um, having you guys introduce yourselves and <laughs> mom's stuff and where you are and what you do, um, just because um, for those listening... Lee and Zaina, uh, we were lucky enough to have them present at our first slow living retreat in 2018. It was so fun. We first we asked them to be sponsors, and they um, 
they sponsored a free little uh, giveaway of their salve in each of our for each of our guests. And then we were like, "We love you guys so much already. Just come be a friend." And they did, and they they flew out. And they were part of our retreat, and it was really magical. So. I've just been so excited to catch up with you guys as friends. But for our audience, let's um, let's take it back a step. And maybe Zaina, do you want to kind of introduce mom stuff just on the on a really, you know, introduction level and kind of talk about what you and your mom do? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my mom and I work together. Our company is called Mom Stuff Sav, and it's a uh, the backbone of the company is making all natural skincare products. And it started with my mom, gosh, probably more than 25 years ago. Uh, she started just kind of tinkering around with making a salve or something for her hands and feet that would help address the dry skin that we get here in the Utah desert. And also my dad is a potter, so his hands were always pretty beat up. And we do a lot of outdoor river running and backpacking. And so the the stuff that she was buying just wasn't cutting it. And so she, she thought, well, I can figure out something. And this was, you know, before the internet was really a thing. So she was looking in old books and talking to older women in town and kind of just experimenting. And over time, different people would tell her to try different ingredients or she would read about something and say it's probably, it was probably a five year more or less um, cultivation period of cultivating the recipe, but she finally kind of hit on what she felt was a pretty good little recipe. And over time, people started asking for jars of it. And um, the name sort of came out of my sister being a river guide one summer, and she was bringing a jar of the salve for her own hands and feet and sharing it with the other guides. And at the end of a trip, the guides were like, you got to bring more of that, your mom's stuff that she makes. And that just kind of <laughs> stuck. So, so for a long time, my mom just ran the company pretty small. She'd make a batch once or twice a year and put it in old baby food jars with hand, you know, she'd write the labels herself and then slowly upgraded to a laser printer. And <laughs> then probably about five or six years ago now, um, you know, as I was watching her do this, I would say from time to time, like, there's really the potential to do more here. Uh, and then I found myself about five or six years ago wanting to leave the the industry I'd been in, which was sort of outdoor recreation for kids. It was really fun, but also really exhausting. And so when I made that exit, I started working with her and doing more of the marketing and, and rebranding and kind of building it into a, a slightly, just slightly bigger company, not too big. And, and then over that period of time, she was also developing, um, some face balms that are face moisturizers, and then we developed a body oil. So we're really small. We have four products, and uh, we really only make things that we ourselves need, and we make them with ingredients and processes that are really high in integrity. And um, you know, we're never going to compromise on the quality of what we make in order to make more, or grow, or scale our business. Tell us about your your the production. I mean, what what's that like? What is the process? And are you are you doing it yourself now, or do if you got several people doing it, or and where do you do it? Um, I still make every batch of all of the products we do. Occasionally, Zina or one of my other two daughters might be around and help me with a pour after I've gotten everything ready to do that, but. I, I really like making it and uh, the thought of hiring other people to be involved in that and supplying jobs to people outside of the family, you know, like a full-time type job just feels, it, it would change my role in the company from being a maker to a manager. And I'm not interested in that. <laughs> so for me, since I've, once I get the recipe developed and I know this is what I'm going to do and it's in production it's like a meditation or um, like a repetitive prayer. <laughs> you know, it's the kind of the how I feel when I'm making it because I'm not having to wonder, oh, will this work? Will this, you know, I've got the formula down and I repeat it and I do it very carefully and uh, hopefully just that won't change in the foreseeable future. Uh, I just, that's the part I love. I love making it the pretty labels we have now and the excellent website, all of that is Zina's genius because if you were familiar with my product uh, before she started working for me, it was a much more clunky website. Um, I only use PayPal. 
all of my receipts were printed by hand, you know, laser printer labels. And none of that was bad, but that's as far as I could go. <laughs> and I had grown the company as much as I could do it along with, along with making everything too. And so when Zion said, mom, I would like to take over these things. I just said, you know, I wouldn't mind working with you that, that I think we can do this. And we tried it for a year and we were both delighted. So it's worked out well, but we don't have any employees other than myself, Zaina, and uh, my other two daughters. Louisa lives in France. She's a, a freelance editor. She often uh, or always goes over any anything we're printing that's going to go to paper or you know a major uh, piece of writing. She edits for us, and then when she's here visiting, she'll often help me in the studio making things. Uh, pouring, filling jars. And Ada, my youngest daughter, she does a great deal of the packing and shipping and labeling for us, which are also chores that I can do, but I just give her the part-time work. She is free to work as many hours as she wants. (laughs) And it's very flexible with all of us. I think I want to make this be a comfortable, happy working relationship. And so far, so good. That just sounds like the ideal family business scenario. (laughs) Um, And a lot of that, too, what you both talked about, I feel like is echoed in uh, my mom and I's story and with Lady Farmer and how we work. Um, And I do want to get a little bit more into some challenges around those things before we make it all seem like sunshine and roses. But um, before we do, I have a question for Zaina, um, especially since our roles in our respective companies are pretty similar. Um, mm-hmm. Your mom just did a great job of explaining how the production of the salve and like the actual product is a very can be a very meditative and grounding experience. And I think that fits right into slow living. And I would consider your brand a very slow living and s- slow, sustainably minded brand. Um, what? Is it about the role that you play in mom stuff, which is admittedly the less slow living type things? <laughs> um, how do you incorporate <laughs> slow living into mom stuff as you, as your role demands of it? Mm, I love that question. Thank you, Emma. Um, I think for me, the thing that I focus on is trying to infuse our marketing with um, just little, just little, um, inspiration or communication about our, our story and what we do, that it's my hope that that helps inspire our customers or the people who follow us online to incorporate and practice some of those slow living things into their own lives. So, you know, little things like, uh, every, every couple of posts, I'll post, um, a quote that I think is interesting or that hopefully will make people kind of pause and think about or reflect on their day or reflect on some aspect of their life. Um, I try to share a lot really transparently in our marketing, the, the way that mom does make it the sort of meditative aspect, the slower aspect of it. Like we've really intentionally not mechanized many of our processes. Like last week I went down there and we were picking pinion pine needles off of branches to get ready for our pinion body oil. And there's probably a more slick, fast, easy way to do that, but just sitting in the backyard for several hours, picking pine needles and talking is part of making the product. That's part of the story. So for me, I find a lot of um, inspiration in just sharing those aspects and hoping that that helps people, even just in using our products, my hope is that they they sense some of that and that it helps slow them down or it helps connect them to nature through their senses, through their sense of smell or their sense of feel. Um because we know we have a lot of clients that probably don't live in rural areas. They're probably in busy cities. And we hope that some of that slowness and the, the way we tell that story online helps them connect to that when they use our products. But I just finished doing a bunch of work for our taxes and that definitely didn't feel like slow living. And there's probably not much way to make taxes feel like slow living anyway. <laughs> I know what you mean. I'll also add, um, And then we'll get back to you, Lee. Um, I'll also add that I loved when, I think it was this past sort of like Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Christmas time, you guys were very vocal about, you were like, we don't 
we're not going to do the like Black Friday rush thing. And it just like works better for our family to do this like big annual sale that we have this weekend in particular. And you were just like really transparent about like what made sense for your family and the business and like when you were going to have this big sale. That's really important for your business. I realize a lot of people kind of wait for that and make all their purchases yeah. then, which is great. Um, but I thought that was really cool. And you were like, you know, it might have been like a little more effort on your part to kind of get the word out because people maybe weren't looking for it that particularly weekend. But I think that's like a really good example of how you guys are just like super uh, authentic is such an overused word, but that's the word, I guess. Um, authentic, like this is us and this is what we do. And here's how we're best able to serve you. So I appreciate that. Um, Lee, did you have something to add? Just a short comment um, when you were talking about how to Zyna figure into the business and slow living. When, from my viewpoint, I know Zyna has her own business, other things that she does, um, and I want to make sure that she feels like she has the time to pursue her other interests. So we don't have a time clock where I'm just saying, how many hours did you put in on doing mom stuff today? I never ask her about stuff like that. I don't even know how much she pays herself. I want her to be happy <laughs> and have the flexibility to maintain her own um, other practices, other business, other things. Um, so I think that's important that you have to honor the, and I don't certainly don't work all the day on mom stuff every day. It's very part-time in that sense, although I'm constantly dipping into it, uh, but it's not like eight hours straight or whatever. I, I think having the flexibility to weave and build a life that's supportive and integrated into your business is really important, but you've got to have time to play and to pursue your other interests and passions. I, I really love what the, the word you just use, integrated into the life you want to live and pursue. Um, because I feel like Lady Farmer, like it is my life and the business is sharing it to the extent that I still get to have it, but others can benefit from what we do and our, our, the things we offer. So it's, um, I find it quite a balancing act. Um, we haven't been at it as long as you guys have, but we're learning a lot as we go. And we're learning a lot about those boundaries as those relationship boundaries. You know, we have our mother daughter thing and we have our business partner thing. And, um, then there's our family time and our work time and our personal interests, um, that we need to be pursuing individually. So it is, it's a balance um, that I think we're, we're always working on. Can you guys speak a little bit to the um, sustainability behind your product and what goes into that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of different factors to consider. I think one thing that we're really examining and working with right now is our packaging. Um we have used these uh, plastic containers for a long time that are, you know, they're PET free and um, recyclable, but they are still, in essence, a kind of single use plastic. And we've encouraged our users for a long time to reuse the, the jars or recycle them in different ways. Um, but just this year, we started a program where people can just send their jars in and have them refilled. And, you know, we, we made it clear to our customers that we're not going to refill every jar the moment it comes in because it's a lot of work to make up a batch and have it ready to refill. And so we do it twice a month. Um, and then we are looking towards a more sustainable, uh, like a compostable cardboard jar. But that, you know, again, like my mom said, we're really small. We grow really slowly. And we also are kind of like, hoarders in that we have a lot of things on hand. Um, and we last year did a really big print of all of our labeling. And so we don't feel like it would be terribly sustainable to all of the sudden switch all of our packaging and have to throw away tons and tons of labels. So, you know, we, we do have that in our sites, uh, but it will be a slow, a slow crawl towards that <laughs> so that we can do it in a way that is both financially and um, ecologically sustainable. And in the meantime, doing these uh, this refill program, and then we've started also doing refill events 
here in our local community. So we have a day where we'll be set up at a retail shop in Salt Lake and a day that we're, we're set up at a retail shop in Provo. Um, so people can bring their jars and we have vats of product there that they can refill with. So that's been really fun. Um, there's also the aspect of just like you mentioned in your question, the ingredients and what is sustainable for the ingredients. And the pinion pine pitch is a really essential ingredient in our salve and it's a really unique ingredient, but it's also something where because it's wild crafted, wild harvested, we want to be really, really careful about not over harvesting that ingredient because we recognize that that is an ingredient that there may be other people out harvesting and using and it plays its part in the ecosystem of the places where those trees grow and we don't want to um, ever take more than would be um, our, you know, to, to take more than we need and to push our company. You know, when I, I went to a business retreat one time with a friend, she kind of convinced me to go and it was mostly a waste, but um, <laughs> I had like a one-on-one with the, the business guru and she was looking over our company and she was just like, well, you just have to change your ingredients and you shouldn't use this ingredient because it's too difficult and too expensive. And you just need to change all your ingredients to cheaper ingredients and do da, 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 da. And then, and then you can really grow. And I just was like, yeah, this isn't the right fit for me because we never want to do that. Um, and so part of that too, is I feel like encouraging people to, um, if people feel inspired to make their own medicine, to make their own medicine, that's why I'm pretty transparent in the marketing about what we do and how we do it. Because if someone wants to be doing it for themselves, go for it. Like, I think that's awesome. <laughs> and so we're not looking to like take over the world with salve. <laughs> I feel like you guys have, are like, um, slow business <laughs> like you guys represent like the idea of slow business really well I'm really interested Lee in um, your own kind of creative outlet I know you do a lot of other creative things and you mentioned that mom stuff is super um, part-time for you even as well even though you're mom um, can you speak a little to some of your other creative passions and then also I'm particularly interested in the the time and opportunity you give yourself, if any, to like come up with new um, products. Like if that's something, are, do you, are you interested in herbs and other kind of things like that? And do you ever play with those things for fun? Um, yes, I do play uh, Zina and I, Zina is probably learning more about herbs than I am. She's growing far more of them on her place and we're constantly exchanging things and ideas and, but as far as marketing a lot of that, no, we're, uh, I do, I am right now currently working on a new product that hopefully will launch within a year or two. I'm calling it right now, uh, as my working title, it's going to be a body balm. So it'll be soft, kind of like the face bombs, um, but more body to it than our body oil which right now the body oil is what we're telling people they can use to replace lotion, but it's very viscous. It is a, an oil penetrates quite quickly. This will be a little thicker. Uh, and I'm trying to use ingredients like the day face balm that are naturally high in SPF. And so this will be something you can put on your legs and arms that will go on smoothly, penetrate quickly and offer protection from the elements. Um, the body oil is great as an after bath uh, product and for moisturizing, but and it would have some protection from the elements offered to it in it. But I think I'm trying to come up with a, a new product that will be better for say daytime use when your sun is exposed. So that's kind of what I'm cooking on. I don't work on it every day, but I've made three test batches now and I'm giving those away to friends and just saying, hey, try this. Give me feedback. That's kind of where I'm at. I haven't finalized my recipe or the list of ingredients yet, and I'm still trying. And when I started working on the face balms, originally I was just going to do one face balm and then I realized I want to do two, one for day, one for night. They have different ingredients. There's just a tiny bit of lap. But that took me, I think, from the time I first decided I wanted to come up with something to the time we had it on the market. It was at least three years. It might have been more. So 
I'm slow, but you know, I'm not working on it eight hours a day. There'll be weeks, in fact, where I'm not doing anything with it, but I've got jars out in my community uh, and web of friends that, and I'm getting feedback and that takes time. You also want to see how well the product will last. You know, does it get grainy or weird after six months? Because if it does that you scratch it. <laughs> so it takes time. And yes, I do enjoy doing that kind of thing. Um, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. And then also I know that you do other things besides making balms and salves. Yes, I <laughs> I love to ride horses. That's been a lifelong passion for me. I'm not a prof- horse professional, never have. I don't teach lessons. I don't hire out my horses. It's strictly just a personal love and a place where I recharge my batteries and uh, they're my therapists. So that's that sort of thing. It really, any animals, I'm just always drawn to animal pals. We have dogs too. And, barn cats and chickens, but particularly the horses and dogs are my, um, love to spend time with them. I'm also a painter. Um, my painting name is Lee Udall, which is my maiden name, Benyon. And, um, you can find my work online, the mom stuff production and the time that it takes Definitely has taken some of my painting time, but on the other hand, I feel like it's still a good fit. Um, I no longer have to hustle and have a show every year or every other year to try and make money with it. I could actually quit selling paintings altogether because the mom stuff has, you know, give it, it's sort of a steady eddy. The income rolls in every month where painting was very erratic. I still love to paint, but I it's so nice to not have the financial uh, burden uh, of selling artwork. That was always the most difficult part of painting. I, I'm not a great businesswoman. <laughs> and actually, you know, having Zina kind of help me with that end of the mom stuff has been a huge thing. I mean, the first thing she did was she calculated the cost of all my ingredients Um the time and energy I put into preparing them because there's a lot of wild, you know, wild crafted ingredients that have to be hand processed and all this. And, you know, we had to raise my prices considerably because I just, you know, was barely making any money above my ingredients. So it helps to have someone who can coach me with those kind of ingredients. And Zina doesn't have a business degree, but she's just, Younger, got a more elastic brain than me. <laughs> and I I really feel like it's not so much a mother-daughter situation. Yes, I bore her. She is my daughter. But as far as working together, I view her as a mental partner. And um, I am often asking her for advice. And I would never do anything, make a decision that she was totally against. We have to feel okay about you know, not that we're making huge life and death decisions every day, but we, it's just, we, we want each other to both feel good about it and it's, it works really well. So we're, uh, I, I almost sense I'm to that point in life. And I remember it happening with my own mother as she was aging, where the roles start to reverse. <laughs> I feel like in a lot of ways, she is taking care of me and coaching me now in this ever-changing, uh, world that's just so much more flexible and connected uh, electronically and all these things that I am kind of never going to be up to speed on. And I am so grateful to have her advice and help there because I'm not interested in being up to speed, (laughs) but I can definitely be coached and go along. (laughs) Like today, when you... We were a hero, a war hero, and having to download a whole new internet browser and software. It's amazing. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I deserve the purple um, heart for this one. You do. You do. <laughs> to that, Lee, I will add, um, when I talk to my mom on the phone, um, and she'll always say, she's 90, she's going to be 93 this year. Um, and she always says, oh, wow. 
You are teaching Emma so much. You are really giving Emma an experience. <laughs> and I'm like, every time I say mom. You're just not your head yeah. <laughs> mom, she's teaching yeah. me as much or more. You exactly. Know. But I wanted to ask you all to go back, to circle back a little bit about the um, the ingredients. You mentioned you grow the comfrey and you all harvest your own mm-hmm. um, pinyon seeds, is it? Is it the seeds that you use or the needles? No. Uh, well, the needles we use in the pinyon body oil, but in uh-huh. the salve, the pinyon salve, we use the pit, we use the pitch, which is like the blood of the tree. It's, right. it's what, you know, it comes up from the roots. And so it's, a uh, the sap would be similar to what, you know, maple syrup, only maple syrup, when it comes out of the tree is like water and you have to boil it forever. The pinion pitch is hanging on the tree in globs, uh, anywhere from the size of your thumb to your fist. It just depends. And when I first started, uh, you know, ramping up my production just a little bit, say I wanted to make four batches a year instead of just one, I thought, well, I could go out to the trees and take my little cordless drill and drill a hole and then come back later and there'll be all this pitch. Because it's not on every tree, not every pinion tree is offering pitch like that. And I didn't know why. So I thought I'd put a few holes in. Well, for one thing, the the pine, those pines are very dense hardwood. So I had a hard time making holes in them. And when I came back a month later, there was just a little dribble. There wasn't much. So then I went online to see what I could figure. I, you know, did a Google search on why do pinion trees, you know, ooze or bleed sap and some others don't. And I found out what causes that. It's a moth, a particular moth that lays eggs, the larva hatch, they bore into the tree and the tree is trying to expel the larva. And while it's doing that, it expels all this pitch that's using the the pitch to flush out that insect larva. And so you're only gathering pitch off of trees that have been infected with this moth. And they take care mm-hmm. of themselves. They don't usually die from that. But that's why, you know, you, I can wander out there in the hills where they're growing. It's about four miles south of town. And then there's another place about four miles east of town where I do most of my picking. Um, and, you know, it's like one in every 20 trees would I get some pitch from. So it's quite a laborious project. And I will admit now that I do hire a, a young man and his dad, who's probably about my age, they professionally pick uh, wild seeds, sagebrush, rabbit brush, other things. I knew they did that and sell to a seed broker nearby that these sorts of seeds are sold when there's been a wildfire and they need to replenish or reseed uh, public lands with native plants. And I just asked them one day, would you be interested in picking pinion pitch pitch for me? Because I'm 64. I've got a bad back. I can't be carrying buckets up and down hills. You know, it's just once I started making more, uh, I just couldn't keep up with that. And they were delighted because they're out there anyway. They're wandering around these trees, collecting other seeds. So they, for the most part, collect the pitch for me, but it's still all local. I pay them well. <laughs> and um, that's how that is collected. It's just by hand, the trees that are offering it. And often when you see it hanging on a branch, you look below at your feet and you'll see clumps of it on the ground. That So the tree was bleeding enough to, to, there's a blob on the ground. And really there's only, the best time of year for picking the pitch is in the fall when the nights are getting cool. And if you go out in the early morning, the pitch will be in a solid enough form that you can pick it up. You're still going to get really sticky and really dirty, which is okay. I don't mind that. But um, in the summertime, it's just too hot. And it's just like trying to pick peanut butter off of a tree. <laughs> you know, It's just this sticky mass and it, it doesn't have a solid form. So I just wanted to add with our other ingredients, you know, obviously not all of the ingredients require such a laborious and intimate local um, 
production, but we do try to use ingredients that come from as locally sourced as we can. We get our beeswax from a local beekeeper that keeps bees in our county and several of the adjacent counties. We get our jojoba oil from a small family-run farm down in Arizona. Um, and all of our olive oil that we use comes from a small farm in California. The first farm that we started with, um, they eventually we're ready to retire. And so they turned us on to the next farm that we worked with, but we really try to use ingredients that are produced in ways that are equally sustainable and kind of small family businesses like us. So, um, you know, we do have to order some of them from a larger wholesale distributor out of, uh, Oregon, but we try to be really careful about where we're sourcing from that we're getting high quality things. I mean, I get an email probably several times a month from someone in China wanting to sell me their beeswax. And I always just say thanks, but no thanks. Um, I get those too with make- the, uh, <laughs> with the dryer balls. Sorry. Yeah. The wool, yeah. everyone's like, yeah. wool dryer balls. And I'm like, that's funny. Like the reason why we sell these is because we know this person in Pennsylvania. So, right. Yeah. yeah. So just, <laughs> It's a slow business uh, technique that maybe doesn't translate everywhere. Um, so yeah, we really do with the ingredients. We really try to be conscious and ethical, and you know that goes back to the sustainability piece and trying not to use ingredients that are too wildly exotic or um, harmful in their processes. Because you know, just because something's natural doesn't mean that it's being extracted in a way that is in reciprocity and healthy for the earth. I think it's hard to find that. I mean, I don't know. I know that you don't want to like bad talk other companies or anything, but I can't imagine, and I know that you've done the market research. I can't imagine that there are like a ton of companies that have the same kind of like standards and mindset that, that you do. Do you know about that specifically, Zaina? Like, is, is that something that you're aware of? Um, I can't speak to other companies and what their practices are, but I, it's just my sense in, you know, having poked my nose around a little bit in how to scale. And, you know, there were times when we thought, oh, are we going to scale? And we talked about it and should we sell on Amazon or not? And we ultimately decided not to, um, but, you know, one thing you'll notice with a lot of products in, even in the natural category is that they have fillers and a really common filler is water. And water, of course, isn't bad, but it does tend to weaken the efficacy of whatever the product is that you're using. And when you use water in a product, like most cream or kind of lotion type products are going to have a fair amount of water in them. And you have to then use stabilizers, um, which can not be great for your skin. So, you know, it's just the, the more you're trying to stretch the natural ingredients. Um, and you know, if you're making massive quantities, you're taking massive raw ingredients. And oftentimes it can be hard to find massive amounts of raw ingredients that are locally sourced. And so you are starting to pull more and more from overseas and that's harder and harder to, uh, verify the quality of those ingredients and the, the sustainable practices of the, the farmers and the growers and the producers of those raw ingredients. So, you know, I think it's a difficult time because people are more and more wanting to use natural and green products and all this thing, but we still want to go at this rate of consumption that we've been sort of conditioned to. And I think that one thing people have to realize is that, and I'm sure you guys think about this and talk about this all the time with slow living is sometimes the slow living things do take longer. They're more hand processed. You maybe aren't going to be able to have as much of it or, or, um, use it at the same rate and scale that we're used to in the sort of disposable, um, disposable mindset. And I think that's, you know, with (laughs) to loop it back around to our current, current climate that we're in with COVID and, um, you know, I just think it's holding up a really interesting mirror. I've found myself just kind of marveling at the number of things that are produced and consumed that really have no value when they're held up to the mirror of this kind of, um, situation, you know, just the the massive amounts of products that are out there, and um, really taking a hard look at my own life and my own pantry and my own medicine cabinet, and thinking, what of these things could I reasonably make or um, find locally or grow, rather than this kind of dependency on these very worldwide networks and systems that you know it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's it's just happened at such a rate that it's 
it, I think this, this is holding up a mirror to help us all t- kind of take a look at those parts of our lives where it could maybe you tune up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And, um, and it, it really speaks very clearly about, uh, how we ha- have just been for how many years, just assuming that whatever we need or want is going to be immediately available. And um, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, in the, you know, the last couple of weeks, we can see from the panic and the rush on the stores that it's dawning on people, hey, you can't just run out and get this or that in, uh, right now. And we don't know how long this is going to go on. And so speaking to the sustainability of a business much like yours, um, it's it's really fascinating that um, some of your material materials are right out your back door and others are, you know, you have personal relationships with people that are, you know, they're not in China or somewhere else that you can um, pretty much, you've pretty much got a handle on it so that you're fairly assured that you will be able to get the ingredients for your product. But I I think that this, to your point again, Zina, that this situation is like a mirror. Yeah, I think we wake up every day here lately and say um, things are different. We don't know what it's going to be like here in a week or two or a month or three mm-hmm. months or a year from now. What's it going to be like a year from now? So yeah. very interesting times we're in. <laughs> I, I want people to understand that we are really consciously trying to keep our business small, <laughs> which may s- seem really uh, antithetical, but I I think all the time about how do we run an anti-capitalist business? Um, and, you know, I'm not saying that I'm 100% against all capitalism, but I think the way that it is that it's kind of grown into, like you were saying, Mary, is maybe not sustainable and maybe not healthy. And so, you know, and I recognize that there is a fair amount of privilege in our ability to say, hey, we don't want to grow too much more because we do have other things going in our lives that are supporting us. I have other things that I'm doing. I have a partner who's working and um, same with my mom. Um, So I think that uh, we are really privileged and lucky to be able to say, hey, we're going to pull the brakes here and really think how we want to grow and how we want to um, move forward in ways that are slow and thoughtful rather than this kind of rush, because there's a real climate or there has been a climate for a while in this kind of entrepreneur fever that we've had of people trying to grow their businesses as fast as they can or as quickly as they can. And this whole idea of the, the hustle and the, the kind of boss babe movement. Um, and I'm, there are things in that that I think are really wonderful and inspiring. But for us, it's just been really important to be really conscious about how we're growing. And so we want people to understand about our business that that is kind of a core um, principle and foundation to what we're doing and that that informs a lot of how we move, move forward. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is something that I've been acutely aware of lately, even before COVID-19 and everything, everything going online in a very, um, in in my opinion, not super slow living way. You know, at first it was like, oh, cool, everything's canceled, slow living. And then all of a sudden, like everything's online and there's like all this other pressure. Anyways, different discussion. But I'm really glad that you brought that up because I think the... um, Okay, Lady Farmer, we're only we're we're in our fourth year. We haven't, you know, it's like three and a half years. And I think because of the way that people are used to consuming media and used to being on Instagram, obviously things look great and everything looks jolly. And if we're doing things, it looks a certain way. And like that, but that doesn't mean that like um our business is booming and we're growing super fast and like we it's there's a difference between like um between like sustaining yourself and doing work that's meaningful and filling your days with meaning and 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 putting that out there and then just like a ton of money rushing in and like growing your business super fast um and i think there's a there's a big misunderstanding between like 
everyone wants like financial freedom, right? And everyone wants it really fast and everyone wants to be their own boss. But um, the thing that no one talks about is how long that takes. It's like, that's, it's a slow, it's actually a slow thing. And if you are making money super fast and it happens super quickly, you can guarantee that there's other things that you're sacrificing on the sidelines Mm -hmm. that probably aren't ideal. Um, And no one's talking about that. And so I think I would love to see more conversation around that in the like entrepreneurial world. I think um, I get marketed a lot of like online courses and workshops and stuff about how to streamline things and get, you know, grow my audience and grow my list and all of that. And um, there's a lot of it's, it's just like it's a lot of noise and I think it's actually like a lot of lying. Like I, I literally think people lie <laughs> to try to get you to yeah. feel a certain way to buy their thing. Um, mm-hmm. It's all lies. <laughs> That's how I feel. Um, I wanted to say um, to, to Zaina's point that it's like being on Shark Tank is not the end all and be all. I mean, there's this current way of thinking is like if you have no if you're an entrepreneur and you've created something then the next thing is shark tank so you can get big it's just this way of thinking that's just not doesn't apply to me personally <laughs> yeah. so and and as you yeah, said no you don't want to be on shark tank <laughs> yeah so lee what what is it you want people to know about about what you do uh, yeah. I was just going to add a story. I was going to add a story that ties in with um, the word entrepreneur and growth. Um, about five years ago, my husband and I were contacted by the local junior college nearby us to. They had a course in their business department on entrepreneurship, and they wanted us to come speak. And the gal who was calling us, I just said, "You know what? We are like." really small businesses. We're not big, but between my husband and I, we have four different gigs or businesses. He's a potter. I'm a painter. He is a part-time river guide in Grand Canyon and on the Salmon River in Idaho, working for an outfitter uh, in Orem, Utah called Tour West. And then um, I have the SAF business. But we started out with our marriage 44 years ago. We had no idea this would be you know, how we would make our living and not all of them grew or started at the same time. It's just, they've all just sort of naturally evolved out of our lifestyle. And, um, but she kept saying, no, we need people like you because all the people that come in to speak to our students are these people who within three years are making over a million dollars. And I said, well, that's not going to happen with our business. And she said, no, no, we need to have this other viewpoint. And so we agreed to do it. We went and spoke and gave a joint presentation. And Joe coined, I thought, a really good title for our presentation the accidental entrepreneurs, <laughs> because that's kind of how it happened. It evolved out of our life. We didn't sit down and think, how can we make the most money possible and have the most free time, which are, you know, maybe lofty goals, but that was never our intention. It was just, we figured out things we love to do and we somehow through luck or just intention, they gradually turned into ways that we made money. and. It's, you know, totally back ass words, <laughs> but <laughs> it's worked for us. I mean, I'm 64. My husband is 67 and we have no retirement. We have, you know, no, we've never worked for other people. We've always been self-employed all our life. And it, yes, it has a lot of pluses and there are minuses if you want to look at it from a different viewpoint, but we wouldn't trade it with anybody but yeah the entrepreneurship is just kind of a interesting and can be a very slippery slope you can hit the tail wagon the dog real fast and I've just like say Zaina mentioned at one point we were thinking about selling on Amazon and she did all the digging and looking and I we both just we took about a year thinking about it and we just ultimately just neither one of us felt like it was a good fit for us so, yeah, just go slow, <laughs> slow living, <laughs> slow decisions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, going back to that presentation we did, we were absolutely mobbed when we were done by people coming up and saying, 
We loved your presentation. So many of these other people that, you know, their businesses, we had, I can't, we can't relate to them at all. You know, in a lot of, I would say half the people coming up to us were women who were, you know, our age and older who were, you know, trying to figure out how to maybe start a, a business at home. But by having these young millionaires come in who are doing startup companies, they're not learning anything that's useful to them. Because I think a lot of these women are more tuned to the wavelength I'm on or my husband too, which is lifestyle is first and foremost, how we live and our happiness there. And then you craft a business around it that will work. And so we were the first speakers that ever addressed those issues. And like I said, and Jamie, the woman who had contacted me, she wrote me a letter a week or two later. And she said, honestly, your presentation was probably the favorite of all of the students for the year because they felt like they could relate to you as human beings. And if they can do something like this, maybe I can figure something out too. It was great. It's so true. Thank goodness for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) What do you most want people to understand about the work that you do? Um, I want them to understand that I'm not a genius (laughs) and that (laughs) I don't see myself as this great uh, example. I really... I want them to understand that all I am doing is, you know, when I came up the formula for this salve and the products I make, I'm going by intuition. Um, I love the plants and I'm really grateful for the plants. And there are a few animal products as in beeswax and lanolin. Those are the only two animal products we use, but they're sustainably harvested. No animals die. Um, I, I really hope that as people open my jars and use the products that they feel the love coming from me, but more importantly, from all of these other beings that are part of these products, from their mother, the earth. I'm just kind of a, a go-between. <laughs> I may be what you call a matchmaker. <laughs> I I feel like... You know, our product isn't patented. I don't believe in that kind of weird stuff. People can figure out to make things on their own if they want, but if they want to use my products, that's fine too. But I just want them to understand that these things are a gift from the earth. This is something they can do as well as walking, spending time in the environment, but all of the things you use, the clothing that you wear, you guys are great on that the food you eat, the products you put on your skin can be a way of connecting with each other and with our planet. And I just think that that is so, so important at this time. Just an example of how Zaida and I work together. She called me yesterday or the day before and said, mom, how would you feel about offering a sale on the pinion pine right pitch right now that's our original product Uh, she said everybody's washing their hands 20 plus times a day it's really hard on their hands and the salve is really great for that so many of my customers over the years people who are in the hand washing industry beauticians uh, medical people uh, farmers anyone who's just in and out of the water or grit they love it because their hands actually feel pretty good through a number of hand washings before they have to reapply. And so we just, Zina said, I think we need to offer a sale on the salve because of what's going on. And I said, yes, absolutely. But I want to make sure people know we don't, we're not encouraging hoarding. Please order just what you need because we don't have unlimited supply on hand. We make it as we need it. I can always make more, but we don't, we're not trying to encourage um, crazy buying, you know, like going to the store and <laughs> taking it all. And Zaina said, if you get any orders like that, just send them to me and I'll contact them and say, listen, this is, you know, we can't do that kind of an order for you right now. So we don't want to be part of the scarcity mentality, but we also are offering a discount right now because we know yeah, people make are it more needing it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's so great and and so good to remember. Thank you so much for joining us today, Lee and Zina. We absolutely love talking to you, and oh, we love um, you we, guys. <laughs> we really think that um, so much of our conversation today will be so 
uh, pertinent and um, people will just love to hear it. I think there's so much to get out of what we talked about today. Well, thank you. Yeah, and I hope, that, I hope that our trails, our paths will cross again sometime in the future because yeah. we love being around you guys. Yes. And Zaina, is there anything else you want to say about where people can find you and where they can order you um, mom stuff and um, any of that? Yeah. So um, you can find us on the internet, just www.momstuffsav, that's S-A-L-V-E.com. And then you can also find us on Instagram at momstuffsav. uh, And yeah, those are the main ways that we connect with people. But thank you so much for having us on the show. It's been so nice to visit with you guys. Thank you so much, Lee and Zina. It was really great talking to you again and hope to see you again sometime before too long and be safe out there. Yes, you too. You too. <laughs> Give our love to your family. <laughs> Well, as usual, it was just really fun sitting and talking with Lee and Zina. They're so inspiring. And uh, these days, we have more time to talk to people. It's really fun. And conversations are meaningful and enjoyable and we hope inspirational to you, our audience. Yeah. And I always love hearing the actual people behind products that um, I love to use. It just it puts a, a story to a thing and it makes it much more meaningful. And especially in this case, um, I know that Lee Benyon really does put the love in her salves and her balms. Um, so yeah, I just encourage everyone to kind of use this time while we're home and you might be going through your things and your products that you use kind of, that's a good kind of pinpoint to have. Like, do I know who made this and where it came from? And if you don't, maybe take a minute to learn about it and um maybe you know when we come on the other side of this if there is if there is another side (laughs) that might change the way that we're consuming things it's just really interesting to think about yes to to make it a point or an intention to try to find out the story behind everything you use or eat or wear and it can be a, a really interesting pursuit yeah. So if you haven't gotten your copy yet, the Lady Farmer Guide to Slow Living is for sale on the Lady Farmer Marketplace. Um, we definitely recommend it's great reading for these times, especially. Um, if you don't follow us on Instagram, join us. Our handle is We Are Lady Farmer. Sign up for our newsletter on our website, www.ladyfarmer.com. Um, and stay tuned for, for more from the good dirt. Thank you so much for being here. And don't forget to join us next week for a book club. Oh yeah. That's happening next week. Yes. See you then. See everyone then in book club at our book club meeting. (laughs) How do they get into the book club? Um, you can sign up at, uh, the link is in our Instagram bio and it's also on our blog. There's a blog post about the book club and you can sign up at the bottom of that to get the link for the meeting. Okay, everybody. See you there. See you then. Bye-bye. you like listening to the good dirt i hope you do because you're here listening to it and are you looking for more good dirt in your life and a community of slow living enthusiasts to connect with all while supporting your favorite sustainable living podcast well we're so excited to offer the almanac it's our private slow living community network where we share workshops activities articles essays recipes and so much more that align with our community's sustainable slow seasonal way of living as a member you'll have access to information sharing and discussions on numerous topics of interest through online threads and frequent live virtual gatherings Members receive access to a virtual community of hundreds of other slow-living enthusiasts. 
as well as Almanac-exclusive events, workshops, recipes, playlists, online gatherings, and a book club. We offer seasonal activities and ongoing discussions on a variety of topics to guide you on your slow living journey. Also included is 10% off the Lady Farmer Marketplace year-round, numerous resources and more, and discounted Lady Farmer events, including the Slow Living Retreat. As a Good Dirt listener, we are excited to offer you 20% off your monthly membership and three months free, which is basically an entire season, if you sign up for the year. So go ahead and go to ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up with this special offer just for Good Dirt listeners. Yay! That's ladyfarmer.com slash community to sign up for 20% off a monthly membership of the Almanac for three months free if you sign up for an entire year. That's ladyfarmer.com slash community. 